Hello and welcome to the NHRA Insider Podcast with Brian Loans. On this episode, we're going to set up the NTK NHRA Carolina Nationals happening this weekend at ZMAX Dragway, as well as catch up with Austin Prock and Bob Tasca III. Those are both drivers that are less than 80 points out of the first place position in their respective categories. It's going to be a fun show, it's going to be an informative show, and we're going to get you all ready to go for the playoff action this weekend at ZMAX Dragway. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the ride. This is the NHRA Insider Podcast with Brian Loads. Welcome to the show, everybody, and this is going to be a good one. As you can hear uh, in my voice, I'm battling every announcer's worst nightmare this time of the year, which is a cold. God only knows how I contracted this, probably, who knows, in a public space somewhere. But uh, looking forward to Carolina this weekend, especially because uh, the warm weather should help me ditch this uh, crummy cold that I got going on. Uh, looking forward to it because it's the third stop in the playoffs, obviously. It's um, really, I think, for this show, it's going to be a time for us to talk to some racers who I'm sure are taking stock of uh, where they're at and what they need to do to to maximize their potential over the last cu- the next couple of weeks. Bob Tasca made some moves uh, within his team. We're going to talk about that um, and how he feels that's going to benefit him going forward. Obviously, they had a pretty strong showing in St. Louis. We got Austin Prock coming on the show as well, winner in St. Winner in uh, Seattle, rather I should say, and someone who is uh, certainly capable, at least in my estimation, of closing that 80-point gap, given perhaps some help at the top of the top fuel ladder. We're going to talk about the other categories as well, but uh, before we do that, I wanted to kind of get into what we're going to be looking at this weekend at ZMAX Dragway. In terms of conditions, it's going to be beautiful. Uh, weather is looking very strong for us. Temperature is going to be in the high 70s, low 80s, and then on Sunday, it's going to be in the mid-70s. So what that means is, of course, for the beginning of the day, it's say 11 o'clock in the morning when we actually noontime, at North Carolina when we run the first pair of top fuel cars uh, should still be pretty cool. If we're going to peak at the uh, in the mid to high 70s, then we're going to be probably in the mid to high 60s at that time in first round. And uh, Charlotte is, of course, a very nice uh, surface, very nice facility among the nicest drag strips uh, on planet Earth. So what we should see in around uh, first round of competition would be aggressiveness, I would guess, and that's going to go across the board. What we have seen so far, especially in St. Louis, is aggressiveness out of some drivers, and Austin Prock's one of them. We're going to talk about the string of reaction times he's put together. He is currently the leader in the category of top fuel. Before we get too far down that road, though, I want to take a look at the categories, take a look at the top tens and where how things have spread out. Uh, if we start with the Pro Stock Motorcycle category, this is really the class where it is the most spread. I mean, Andrew Hines has a 34-point lead over Karen Stouffer right now. Obviously, Karen coming off that incredible victory in uh, St. Louis. Great riding job, as she has done all season long, a breakthrough weekend there. It really only takes us to the number six spot to realize how big the spread is because, uh, as you'll find out, when we get to other categories, it's a lot tighter than this. But to the sixth spot, Hector Rana Jr. is in six right now, and he's basically 100 points back. And, well, he is certainly not mathematically eliminated uh, from winning anything at this point, being 100 points back. His ability to make up that gap is is shrinking rapidly. Uh, when we talk about what needs to happen to make up a five rounds, whether we're talking about bonus points you have to accrue, uh, what you have to do in the races leading up to Pomona, that's going to be uh, that's going to need to be incredibly strong weekends for Hector Arana Jr. So Eddie Krawick, 51 points back. So really, Andrew Hines, you know, he has not been quite the Andrew Hines that we've expected him to be in some respect in the countdown in terms of just complete domination, but he is 34 points up, and that is uh, as big a lead as anybody right now in NHRA drag racing has and on anybody else from the 1-2 spot. In pro stock, we kind of move uh, to the pro stock car portion of the program. Jason Lyon currently leads the points, followed by Erica Enders 11 points back. And uh, she has been chomping at the bit, finally gets it done in St. Louis. Very emotional victory for her and potentially a turning point for that team. Bo Butner is only a round back at at 22 points. We go back to that sixth spot again. We see Jay Coughlin 94 points back. But the real shockers to me here, Greg Anderson, Derek Kramer. 107 points back for Anderson, 122 back for Kramer. And it is just, this is an illustration of what happens when you don't get off on the right foot in the first two races. Neither of them, again, same same situation as Arana Jr. Nobody is eliminated from championship contention yet, but you really got to help some dominoes start falling your way. And if Anderson and Kramer have another uh, tanker of a weekend, they can all but uh, kiss their hopes goodbye, even with points and a half in Pomona, just because... 
as long as everybody else ahead of you is doing something and you're doing nothing, that is the recipe for uh, for you know unending sadness in the offseason of pro stock. Bo Butner, Erica Enders, Jason Lyon have separated themselves from the pack. Matt Hartford in the fourth spot is 57 points out of first. So not, not quite the hill to climb that some other racers have. Alex Laughlin, 83 points back, is currently in fifth. So it'll be interesting to watch this weekend if Erica can maintain her strength level. And if she can, can she catch Jason? Can Bo Butner maybe get him, dust himself off a little bit and grab a couple more rounds? Can Jason Lyon go back to the form that we expected to see him in? Uh, at the last race, of course, uh, neither Line nor Anderson really kind of did what they wanted to do there. We move into the Nitro categories, and it really snugs up here. Funny car. We see Robert Height leading the points. John Forrest, 13 back. Jack Beckman in third at 24 back. And Ron Capps, two points, or I should say two rounds out of first place, effectively at the number fourth spot. J.R. Todd, with a final round appearance in St. Louis, moved himself strongly into the number five spot, 53 points out and moving in the correct direction. And it's Bob Tasca, who made the semis in St. Louis that we're going to talk to today. He is 79 points out with Sean Langdon right behind him at 80 points back. Then we see Tommy Johnson Jr. at 97 points out. So when we talked about the two pro stock categories, by the time we got to sixth place, we were talking about a 90-point deficit from sixth to first. We have to go all the way back to the eighth spot in Nitro Funny Car to get that same number. And in Top Fuel, Top Fuel is ridiculous. Um, Of all the categories, Top Fuel is the most crazy. Why? Well, Doug Coletta leads Steve Torrance by two points. Will Steve Torrance continue what may seem like an inevitable march to a championship? We'll find out. Loses to his dad in the final round in St. Louis, but pulls within spitting distance, quite literally, of Doug Coletta in this situation. But we go all the way down to the number nine spot in top fuel. It's Billy Torrance, who's only 80 points back. So between one and nine right now, it is only four rounds. How does that happen? It happens because of upsets. It happens because of great competition. It happens because of a guy like Richie Crampton running the table and knocking people out in Maple Grove. Um, It happens because Billy Torrance wins the race in St. Louis. Clay Milliken is the number 10 car. He's 107 back which isn't good. But when we look at where some of the other contenders are, not insurmountable. They are a team that would love to find maturity in terms of their success at this point in the year. I'm not saying they're an immature team, but in terms of what they're trying to do with the resume they're trying to build, now's the time to start doing it. And they need to do it fairly dramatically here to really make themselves in the conversation. Austin Prox in eighth, 79 back. He's going to be our second guest today. Or maybe our first guest today. We'll find out which order we do that in. But for Austin Proc, the 80 points, if he can make it 50, then you can make it 30, and then you can go into Pomona one round back, that's logic, right? That's logic. You're not you're not doing something that is that is Herculean. You gotta chip at it. But in order to chip at it, you also need help. And you need help from some of the cars that are behind you, the you know, eleven to twenty cars, so to speak, or some of the the uh, not full time cars that are showing up. You do need a couple of breaks. Doug Collette, I don't feel like Doug's looking over his shoulder. I feel like he knows right where Steve Torrance is, and I know that Steve Torrance is trying to close in on Doug Coletta like he's, you know, the Red Baron flying around in World War One trying to shoot down an opponent in a dogfight. The uh, you can't underestimate or overestimate the level of pressure on the teams to perform at this point. And, you know, I'm feeling it in a, in a way, in a great way. I mean, I'm feeling it like a like a spectator feels it in some ways. Certainly a very uh, invested, interested spectator, which is kind of what an announcer's job is, but uh, you can feel it. And the drivers have talked about it before, and, and you know, I've I've bought into what they're saying, but now I'm standing there on a, on Sunday morning waiting for the first pair of top fuel cars to fire up, and boy, you can, you can almost chew it. I mean, you can almost chew that sense of anticipation, that sense of anxiety, you know, and, and not that you can smell it off anybody or not that you can really visibly see it on anybody's face but we can certainly see it in the actions of the drivers in the cars I think I think the way the starting line plays itself out in the first round when it's you know people kind of feeling each other out a little bit or you're really going to kind of learn what someone's approach to the day is I think you can tell by the actions of the driver what the confidence level is what the approach is going to be and uh, exactly how kind of uh, how bought in they are to the whole thing 
We see a guy like Austin Proc go in the 040s with a reaction time in the first round. That's a guy I want in my car. That's a guy that gets it. That's a guy that is absolutely up on it. We see some trickery, some tomfoolery, some people getting hung out. I kind of like that too. I mean, I love that really because that's an illustration of somebody just taking a swing at somebody else in a figurative sense. They're going to do what they need to do to win. And we don't hear that enough. We don't hear that enough, in my opinion. We don't hear people saying, I don't care. I will do what I need to do to win. It's not about making the person in the other lane comfortable or happy or excited about racing me. It's about the opposite of that. It's about making them uncomfortable. It's about putting them on their back foot. A great pitcher. You know, we talk about a batter and pitcher uh, relationship in baseball. If a pitcher sees a guy getting too comfortable, they know what he does. He sings one by his, his throat. If a pitcher sees a guy who's in there and he's just kind of like, okay, this dude is way too comfortable what's going on, he gets a little chin music. And the guy gets his his, his ass knocked in the dirt and, he, and he's got to stand up and think twice about what he's doing. So when we see these countdown matchups in round one and we see some of that stuff going on, it's fantastic. It's fantastic theater and drama. It's actions that... It's 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 the opposite of a lot of things we talk about in life. We always talk about you know words being backed up with actions, but in NHRA drag racing these days, what we see is a lot of actions that don't necessarily get backed up with a lot of words. I'm not complaining about it. We see a lot of stuff happen on the starting line. Smart seasoned people doing smart seasoned things, and they get out of the car and go, "Well, geez, that was that was a mistake. I didn't really mean to do that. Come on, man or woman, say it." So yeah, yeah, I need to beat that guy. Uh, I want to win the championship. There's a half a million bucks I'd like to put in my pocket and split with my team. So I did that. There is no shame in the game. Some guy with nine followers on Twitter doesn't like what you have to say. Who cares? I'm not saying that you need to be disrespectful to your fans, but you also have to understand what your fans and who your fans are. The guy with the 16 Twitter followers that, uh, you know, just randomly rants and raves on your at you via Twitter or on your Facebook. uh, That's not your fan, believe it or not. You don't need to appease that guy. That guy is a jerk. So if you're worried in the back of your mind about what that guy is going to say, if you say something, you're worried about the wrong guy. I'd be more worried about what my diehard dedicated fan is going to say when... I got punched in the throat on the starting line and had nothing good to say about it or had no way to respond to it. But that's just me. And again, I'm not complaining about it. It's just an observation. We talk about boxers that run their mouth. They got to back up their words with their fists. In drag racers, we in drag racing, we have a lot of drivers that do cool stuff. Sean Langdon talked to us about it in the last podcast. Do cool stuff on the starting line. Analytical, kind of Machiavellian stuff. And then does they don't speak about it. It's not like they're gonna you know give away the secrets to the magic show here, but it would be certainly awesome if someone actually stood up. And it happens every once in a while. But if someone actually stood up and said, "Yeah, totally did that on purpose, and it totally worked, and here's why I did it, and here's why I knew it was gonna work," and boom, it would be a great moment because it would go, "Oh boy, it adds depth. It adds layers and depth to the sport that exists." It doesn't need to be added. It exposes them, is what I should say. It exposes the layers and the depth of the sport. And that's exactly what we need. Because it is way deeper than most people believe it to be. This is not the kiddie pool. This is the deep end. And the more we can tell our fans and show our fans that, the better off we are. All right. Enough talk about swimming and pools and my nasally crummy cold voice we're going to welcome our first guest on to the nhra insider podcast he is the winner in top fuel from seattle his first career victory on the same day as bosca career victory 150 austin Brock, ladies and gentlemen 79 points out of first place austin how you doing today i'm doing great uh just at the shop we're getting everything uh finalized and loaded up and uh the boys are going to hit the road in the morning so a uh, bunch of stuff I want to go over with you today, but uh, you know the first thing I want to start with is um, you know really kind of the last. Let's talk about the last four or five races, and the car has been consistent. You know you've been uh, three rounds, so you made at least three round appearances at the last three races. Uh, if we go back to uh, we go back to Brainerd, three rounds there, Indy three rounds, Indy three rounds, and then in St. Louis two. 
Um, so that's, the, I believe, you know, in my opinion, that's forward progress for you guys at the right time of the year. But I want to start with first round performances because, dude, you have been a killer on the Christmas tree in the first round. Brainerd, you were 45. Indy, you were 45. Reading, you were 50. St. Louis, you were 47. So let's talk about you being amped up for first round because clearly you are. Oh, yeah, you got to get amped up. You know, uh, that's one of the most nerve wracking rounds of the day. Um, you know, that's a big round. You, if you screw up, uh, in first round, your day's over and, and nobody likes going out early. So, uh, definitely have to get amped up for first round, no matter who you're racing. And, uh, you know, it's always a little bit tricky on the crew chiefs end. Um, you know, the conditions are usually a little bit different first round than they have been all weekend. And, uh, you know, I just want to go up there and make sure I do my job and, and make the other, uh, opponent sweat up there. You know, um, you know, if I consistently can leave, uh, leave on time and, and uh, leave the starting line first, it's going to get in their heads a little bit. And, uh, you know, hopefully I can keep that up the rest of the season. Yeah, and, and that success, we hear from a lot of drivers, but it's being very uh, clearly illustrated with you this year. Your success always seems to bring out the success in your opponents. I mean, I look at TJ Zizzo was 56 next to you in the first round. You were better than he was, but still, man, that dude's dialing up a 56 next to you. So at this point, you got to know as well that the people are, are going to be gunned up for you uh, when you're up there, when you're up there in the starting line. Oh, absolutely. You know, uh, you know, I've almost been making my own bed, you know, uh, <laughs> you know, I'm constantly uh, working on my reaction times and, and the drivers notice it, you know, they'll come up and tell me they're like, man, you're doing a great job. But uh, if they're noticing, you know, I, I know that they're going to be amped up racing me. So that makes me even have to work harder at it because, um, you know, uh, when I started this season, Antron and Steve Torrance, I looked at them as, uh, you know, as who I wanted to be like, um, you know, they leave the starting line first all the time. And when I would race them, it would get in my head like, man, I better be on my game. And because I know they're going to be 040, 050. And, and that's where I've set my bar at. And, uh, you know, hopefully, uh, hopefully I can catch up to them one day. When we look at uh, when we look at what this car has done over the last, let's call it four races, uh, has there been a difference in approach uh, amongst the whole team, or has it really just been that kind of process of everything coming together? Because you know, it's not just been whole shot wins. You've been really good, but and uh, you know, the car has also been been with you for the majority of these rounds. So let's talk about that a little bit. Now that we see this thing going rounds pretty much every weekend, what's been the change there? Oh, it, you know, it's like you said, everything's just coming together. We've had it. We've had a goal to win rounds and, and, you know, constantly improve in every area that we can, you know, and, uh, got Mike green leading the charge over here with Ronnie Thompson. And we got a great bunch of guys, man. I couldn't be uh, more proud of, uh, what this team's become. You know, we had a lot of struggles early on this year, you know, making mistakes back in the pits. Um, and, and, you know, everyone's just fought really hard and everyone's on the same page. We all want to win and we know we have every piece of this puzzle to go out and win this championship. And that's what we're all fighting towards right now. Uh, like you said earlier, we're 79 points out of the lead. And uh, in the past, since Seattle, we've had one of the best cars on the tour, you know, going to uh, win in Seattle, going to multiple uh, semifinal appearances in a row. And uh, last weekend, in St. Louis, we had arguably probably the best car um, in the class, you know, going through qualifying, adding up uh, RETs with my reaction times. And, uh, you know, we just caught a bad break, dropping a cylinder there in second round. And, uh, you know, it ended our day short. But uh, I honestly believe we had the car to beat in St. Louis. And uh, I think that's going to carry over into Charlotte this weekend. What's the difference, uh, whether it's you or, or speaking on behalf of the team, what's the difference when, say, you load up a car in Reading after going to the semis versus, uh, you know, earlier in the season you load up a car after a first round that was disappointing for everybody? Is it – are you able to shake it a little bit easier or is it is it the fact that you know that you've kind of maintained pace a little bit, you've seen some of those people you're chasing go out? I mean, talk to me a little bit about the mentality of when you got to load up Sunday without a trophy in your hand – uh, what's the difference now between, or I guess since the beginning of the year? You know, it's it's always frustrating loading up early, but, um, you know, going to, you know, every weekend you want to go to the finals, but uh, with this countdown deal, you know, if you can go to the semis every weekend, you're probably pretty bound to end up in the final round and, and get, yourselves, uh, get yourselves a win. So that's what we're fighting for every weekend. But, uh, you know, going out second round, it was frustrating, but I know we got a great car and we're still in this hunt. You know, we're still hungry and uh, we got a legitimate shot at winning this deal. And, and that's what our focus is right now is, is going out there. Uh, staying hungry, you know, keeping our heads down, not making any mistakes, and and 
everybody's learning every weekend. You know, uh, Mike and Ronnie learned a lot last weekend. We tried to, we've been trying new things every weekend too, and it just all seems to be working. Um, so we're going to keep on keeping on. And uh, if we can keep improving like we have in the last five races, uh, we're going to land ourselves in the winner's circle again. Top Fuel really is, uh, in terms of the countdown points, the craziest category. I mean, you can you can go all the way back to the ninth spot, and you know Billy Torrance is only eighty points back. Um, so when we when we look at other categories and we see, okay, well this guy's an eighth, uh, it's it's not really a good looking scene. If somebody the eighth place car in Pro Stock is is way way back versus being eighty points back, so is it? Uh, it's an interesting place because it's, it's got to be like walking a tightrope a little bit, right? Because you, you're close enough to be able to taste it a little bit, but you also understand that uh, early mistakes are gonna could be like a slip and slide. You don't want to go down the hill. So three races in now, or we will be coming to the third race with three to go. Um, obviously, everybody wants to be leading. You don't want to be eighty back, but is eighty back is eighty back kind of a I don't want to say a comfortable place, but still a, a, an okay place to be at this point. Yeah, yeah, because we're only 79 points out of the lead, and, uh, and Pomona is points and a half. I mean, you could go into Pomona 79 points out of the lead and still win, you know, with the points and a half sure. deal. So um, I'm definitely not sweating it being in uh, eighth right now because just of how tight it is. You know, if we if we go have another good weekend um, in Charlotte, if we go to the semis or, or end up winning the deal, uh, we're going to be right in that mix. Um, I think we're only – a half a round out of like fourth or fifth correct uh right now so you could make that up right there in qualifying you know you have a you have a unbelievable uh, couple of days in qualifying you know you could rack up 12 points and uh or whatever it is if you get low et too it's i think 18 you almost get a whole round out of it so um if we can if we can go there and do that which uh i believe we can we're we're putting down good numbers and uh we're going to keep it up. Everybody's really hungry, man. You can see it in uh, Mike Green's eyes. You can see it in his attitude. He's ready to go win a championship, and he knows how. And, uh, you know, everybody over here, including myself, is going to do uh, all they can to try and get that one for him. Yeah, I think an interesting dynamic here because, obviously, uh, you know, Mike's a championship crew chief. Uh, Ronnie's been around forever, been involved in championship teams. A lot of your crew guys have been in, involved in championship situations. You've been a crew guy in this scene so really the only guy that's and you're not a rookie in my eyes you're a rookie driver but certainly not a rookie to what this whole what this whole countdown thing is um what are the conversations between you and mike green are they are they about talking about your mindset are they about talking about the team's mindset has he uh changed his approach with the team at all not necessarily with tuning the car but in, in any meetings or conversations no, not at all. Uh, when he came here, you know, we had one focus, and that was to turn this thing around and, and put up the put up the wind lights. You know, Mike Green, he's a man of few words, but, uh, you know, you can just tell in some of his expressions and, and uh, you know, how he's carrying himself right now. Uh, he's feeling good. He's uh, confident about his ability, and I think he's a confident in this whole team. Um, you know, they're ha- about half of this team is green. Uh, they're, all, they're new guys, and uh, – they have the right idea, you know. They're they're gonna they've become uh, great crew guys in the past few months, and uh, they're gonna continue to grow. And uh, what a better way to grow than uh, get a championship? Things at uh, John Force Racing are pretty good right now. We look at what's going on on the funny car side of that operation, and uh, with John and Robert having you know having great success and being uh, very much in the thick of things on that side. Brittany's car has uh, obviously been great, national record setter uh, at Maple Grove, a little bit of an early exit there, and certainly uh, a little bit early in in St. Louis. But overall, um, I guess let's talk about the scene at John Force Racing. How are things in the building these days? Oh, it's it's great. Uh, you know, uh, like Robert Robert told. Uh, told the media a couple weeks ago this is uh probably the best four car team that we've ever had um you know everybody's everybody's doing a great job uh we're turning on wind lights and like you said britney's car setting national records and uh john and robert's car man they're just like unstoppable right now they're they're throwing down low et left and right and uh you know i they're gonna be tough to beat in that funny car category but um you know, I'm just really proud to be a part of this team. Uh, I love the mindset here, how it's all one team. Everybody works together. You know, my dad's over helping Mike Green. Mike Green's over helping my dad. All the crew chiefs are bouncing ideas off of each other. And that's how you make four strong teams, you know. Uh, nobody's got any secrets from each other. And, uh, you know, that's just one of the great parts about John Force Racing. 
as you've uh, now come into you know more than 20 races over the course of the season uh you know everybody falls into a routine everybody kind of gets that that weekend routine uh set over the course of their time and it's different for everybody but i'd like to understand your your weekend routine what is what is austin prox uh race day sunday routine what time you wake up what do you eat for breakfast are you a habit guy or a superstition guy what do you do um, you know, I wake up early with the crew chiefs. Uh, we're rolling out of the hotel bright and early at uh, 6.30 or 7 o'clock in the morning, um, head to the track and, and do my normal deal. I get all my fuel situated, get all my gear ready to go, um, you know, help unload whatever I need to do. And, uh, you know, I'm on the practice tree uh, drinking drinking lots of coffee and caffeine, trying to get my heart <laughs> rate up. And uh, I have the same breakfast every Sunday morning. I, I have some eggs, two pieces of bacon and some fruit. And, uh you know, I don't know if that has anything to do with uh, good reaction times on Sunday morning, but uh, I'm not going to change it at this point. We're 20 races in, and uh, you know the way to win a championship is is to not not let that pressure get to your head. Um, you know, keep your same routine. Drag racing is is a very routine sport. You got to do the same thing every time, and uh, you know it's just repetition, and that's how you become great. And this whole Montana brand team is going to keep doing that. And hopefully we can keep turning on those wind lights and we'll see how it all shakes out. After uh, the Seattle win, which was uh, an amazing, dr- dramatic day, obviously one that uh, none of us that were involved in it, especially you and John will ever forget. Um, we look at, we look at what happened, you know, the, 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 we know the story of the final, it was just a wacky deal and, and it went your way, which was a great thing. Since that, that since that run in competition, anyway, you've been no worse than 59. So, was that such was that such a one-off situation that it, you, you can't really learn anything from it as much as you can just kind of push it off to the side or was that something that you can you can take something away from in terms of just mental prep preparedness because obviously it's not happened again or anything even close to it hasn't happened again yeah uh you know i actually learned a lot from that moment um you know as bad of a screw up as it was you know i i still uh you know chalked it up and and got what I could from it. You know, Torrance double balled me. I'd, I'd never had anyone double balled me before. And it caught my attention so bad up there. It screwed my routine up and I never let the clutch pedal out. And, uh, you know, that was just something that, you know, I, you know, the man upstairs had in line for me to learn from. And, uh, you know, it's helped me on the other end of it. Now, uh, now I know how to react to it and I know how to double bulb someone as well. Uh, you know, it's almost, uh, just something I can put in my back pocket. And, uh, if I feel the need to, I can get the job done without messing myself up, you know, cause, uh, sometimes you got to play tricks up there on the starting line. And sometimes people are going to play tricks with you and, uh, you just got to know how to react to it and, uh, not mess up your routine and make sure you can leave that starting line first. Pretty wild stuff. Uh, it has been, you know, it's been a real pleasure to watch you race this year and, and coming down the stretch, yeah, I, I said it in the monologue to open the show, and and you know you're in a new job this year. I'm in a new job this year, and it it does feel a lot different in these countdown races. As much as as much as I've heard drivers talk about over the years, oh, you know, it feels different. As much as I've heard other people say it feels different on Sunday, like when we throw the switch on Sunday to go to go live with round one eliminations. I mean, it's we're we're, we're all about ready to start chewing on the carpet. We're so we're so freaked out about <laughs> it, and yeah. You know, for me, it has to be it has to be a challenge for you to manage that. I mean, as as mentally strong as you are, clearly by what's what's happening on the racetrack, it does have to be a challenge to manage that. It it does. Um, you know, it it definitely adds uh, uh, adds some pressure to it. You know, because it's very cutthroat. You know, one mistake and and it's over for you. Uh, you know, especially with how um, you know tight everyone stacks up. And you know, if you have one good, if you have one bad weekend, and someone has two good weekends, you're pretty much. Uh, you know, out of the whole picture. So we got to keep having good weekends and, um, you know, go up there and, and try and block it out as much as you can. But, uh, I can definitely tell you, I have not got as much sleep since this (laughs) countdown started. You know, uh, I told my dad, um, on Sunday morning in St. Louis, I'm like, man, I did not get any sleep last night. I'm like, it's the second race of the countdown and I'm already up all night thinking about it. And, uh, you know, I just got to try and block it out as much as I can. And, um, you know, uh, even though I didn't get too much sleep, you know, I still went up there and did my job to my best ability. And, and that's all I can ask for, you know, uh, go up there, try my hardest, do my best. And, and if this whole team does it, uh, I think we're going to be sitting pretty, uh, come, uh, Pomona. 
the weekend that's coming up, uh, looking really good weather-wise, going to be in the high 70s, low 80s. I think Sunday is going to have a high of about 75, so it promises to be a pretty fast day. What are the type of conditions that you felt the best in so far this year? What are the type of conditions that you felt your car has performed best in over the course of the season? You know, earlier, uh, you know, around the western swing when it would get hot out, you know, I was licking my chops because I felt like we had a better shot at uh, turning on some wind lights. But lately, this thing's just ripping all day long. You know, it's hot out, it goes up and down the track. When it's cool, it's putting up a number. And, uh, you know, we're not obviously the fastest car, but but we're within striking distance. You know, you get me within uh, 200s, I feel like if do uh, the best job I can, we might be able to squeeze out those wind lights. And, um, you know, I think I'm doing just that. And this thing's just going to continue to get better. Uh, it has for the past races, and, and Mike's not satisfied yet. You know, uh, we've been busting off a few 69s here and there, and, uh, you know, we've we've uh, had some early numbers to go even quicker than that and just screwed it up out on the back half. So those cool conditions, uh, I think we're going to be able to put up a good number, and um, it's going to be an exciting weekend, that's for sure. That's a fact. Yeah, uh, one or two more before I let you go back to uh, go back to getting ready to, to get on your way to, to Charlotte. Um, I think we got 18 or 19 cars on the sheet this weekend, which has been the case really for I think the last six or seven races we've had uh, we've had pretty good car counts and top fuel, um, including you know when you have a first round matchup against a guy like T.J. Zizzo who doesn't have the countdown pressure, who doesn't have you know the weight of the world on his shoulder, so to speak, in terms of trying to maintain and gain position. Um, is is that something that affects your approach at all? I mean, it, maybe it can't, but it just seems interesting to me that you know there there are some some pretty big fish swimming around there, the Terry McMillans of the world that aren't in this countdown that would like nothing more than to stop you early on in the day. Oh, absolutely. You know, uh, you know, you can't take TJ Zizzo lightly. You know, I, I study the sheet and I know that thing can rip off a mid seventy um, to a low seventy, and I know he can leave the starting line very well. Um, I've seen multiple times where he's ripped off an 030 or 040 light and uh you know he's got tobler in his back pocket too which uh he's no slouch you know tobler <laughs> right. uh, he's one bad dude and uh, i knew they were gonna go up there swinging and and i'm pretty sure zizzo would have beat with his reaction time in the run he made he would have beat almost everybody else sunday morning that's a fact and uh you know that's just one of those tough breaks i've been on that end of the stick a handful of times this year and it hurts but they went up there they gave it all and uh you know, after uh, rolling up for second round, uh, Tobler, he rolled up to me on his scooter and he just gave me a wink and he was like, how about that? And I'm like, dude, that was badass. Like uh, they went up there and, and they threw down against us. And, you know, we got the better end of the stick that time, but definitely can't take those boys lightly. They uh, do a hell of a job for as little as they run. And uh, it's fun to have them out there. Well, man, it's like I said before, it's been fun watching your race this year. Um, Top Fuel is going to go right down to the wire, as you predicted, and as I believe. I mean, we get nine cars that are within eight, within four rounds of first place, not counting qualifying points. So uh, good luck this weekend in Charlotte. It's going to be uh, fun to watch you going too wide, and we'll find out how many rounds you can go and how many places you can climb because, like you said, a pretty good weekend for you guys, even just a, a really solid semifinal or final round weekend for you guys and a couple of people hitting a banana peel. You'll be right up top three, four in the sheet. Yep, absolutely. Uh, hopefully I can get up on that wing again this weekend. Thank you very much, sir. Austin Prock, ladies and gentlemen. He will be in Charlotte this weekend as we continue with the countdown to the championship. Our second guest is a guy who is the same number of points back as Austin Prock from the number one spot. This time we're talking about Nitro Funny Car, and we're talking to Bob Tasca third, who is currently, like Austin is, 79 points out of first place. Bob, thanks for coming on the podcast. Ryan Lones. Hey, what's All right, so our second guest here in the NHRA Insider Podcast is Bob Tasker III. Bob, thanks for coming on the podcast today. Great, Brian. Always great to be on. How you doing? I'm doing well, man. I'm doing well. So let's talk about this uh, Motocraft Ford Mustang of yours. Uh, you're 79 points out of first. So the two guests I had on the show today were you and Austin Prock, because he is also 79 points back. He, uh, I'm sure, like you, pretty hopeful for his chances down the stretch here. So I guess I want to talk to you. What is the feeling now? You know, you're basically four rounds out, but it's such a crazy grouping of cars. You could be, you could be less than two rounds out by the time you get done with this race on Sunday, or even better than that. I mean, hey, listen, the bottom line is I think the the cars that win the championship got to go and knock a couple down uh, in the countdown. So uh, the way that we look at it, we go out and win the next two races. We're going to be the favorite to win the championship. You know, you go out and lose first round in Charlotte, you're going to start thinking about next season. And that's that's just the harsh reality of the way the countdown works. Uh, we got a great car. We got a car that, you know, 
could have won Reading and could have won St. Louis. I mean, you know, those are, you know, I wish we won them, but unfortunately, you know, it didn't go our way. But when you leave a race knowing that your car was good enough to win, it gives you a lot of confidence. You know, we got picked off against Langdon there in the semifinals and, you know, Hopbreaker, you know, five, I think it was five or six thousand yeah. different at, at the stripe. And, you know, those, those races can go either way. You can flip a coin on them. Uh, and then, you know, we would have had a good shot in the finals, but, you know, we have a lot of momentum. We have a car that's very consistent. And if I had to pick a car to sit in in Charlotte, I want to be in my car. So, you know, that's that's the confidence that, that this team has. That's the confidence that you need going into these last four races. And if we can come out of Charlotte um, with a final round appearance or a win, uh, we are exactly where we need to be going into the last three races of the year, particularly with Pomona being points and a half. So, you know, we're going to take one round at a time, but I'm very encouraged with how this car is performing. Yeah, you know, we see it with uh, driver performances. We see it really kind of with the whole, um, you know, attitude of, of the competition and the countdown. But tell me about what, what do you see in your crew? You know, this year for a lot of those guys, I have the feeling it's their first time that they've been in the thick of it uh, to this point in the year. Kind of how's the what's the crew like and how are they how are they enjoying or not enjoying the pressure of this time of the year? Well, you know, it's it's an interesting balance because I got a lot of, um, you know, young guys on my team uh, that this is like all new to them, right, to be competitive you know, competing for a championship and winning races. And then I got Mike Neff and John Schaefer sitting in the trailer. And, you know, those guys have, have knocked down championships sure. and, you know, their expectation is to go and win the championship. I mean, you know, Neff got everybody together after the loss in St. Louis and said, you know, we have as good a chance of winning the next four in a row as anyone on the property. And I, I think that level of confidence and, you know, he's been there, he's done it. You know, so is Schaefer has given, you know, my guys and me. I mean, hey, listen, I've competed for championships in my career, never competed for a championship with a car as good as the one that I have. Uh, I think it brings a good balance uh, to our program. So it's it's fun to see these young guys winning races and, you know, and getting up for this championship. It's fun for me. I mean, it's the only reason why I'm out. Sure. You know, it's the only reason why I'm out here is to compete for a championship. It's the only reason why, you know, Ford's out here is to compete for a championship. And, you know, we're going to do just that. We know our back's against the wall. But truthfully, you know, anyone that's still in the running for the championship, their back is against the wall because nobody's safe. Nobody's got this thing locked up. You know, and everyone knows that if they're going to win it, they got to go and win some races here in these next uh, four matchups. Yeah, so as we come into Charlotte, you know, it's going to be a back-to-back Charlotte to Dallas. Uh, I'm sure that's your – I know it's my preference. Uh, is it your preference as a racer, too, that you want the back-to-backs at this time of the year just to – you know, if you can get some uh, some embers burning there in Charlotte, you want to try to keep that fire going, right? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. You know, the guys worked all weeks to prepare for this. It's really, you know, three in a row for us because we're not going to come home after Dallas. Okay. So a lot of hard work uh, went in to line up motors and blowers and parts and, you know, just get – get you know the 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 machine ready to go and then you know you come out of charlotte hopefully with a lot of momentum yeah absolutely you want to go right to dallas and fire this thing up and and go again uh, and then obviously we got that week off uh, in between dallas and vegas but you know we work all year and brian you you live this with us you're in the fight with us you see it unfold all season and this is what we've worked so hard for all year and that's the goal to be in the in the running for the championship on these last four races, all the hard work, you know, is paying off. And now we want to capitalize on it. We don't want to give it away. You know, we want to go out there and, and go rounds in Charlotte and give ourselves a chance to compete for the championship when you go into Pomona. Because the, the, the truth is, you know, with the way that how competitive this funny car class is, and then you throw points and a half into the mix, you could have five or six cars legitimately sure. going into Pomona that have a chance to, to leave with the championship. And, you know, that's, that's what makes this class so exciting. And, <laughs> and, you know, why the fans, why the fans are on the edge of their seats, because anything can happen. 
Yeah, that's uh, that is an absolute uh, absolute fact, and the points and a half thing definitely, especially in funny car and top fuel, and and among you know we've talked about this beginning of the show, but like uh, you know pro stock bike and pro stock car have separated themselves out a little, where it'll still be a factor, but I feel like it'll be uh, a much bigger factor in the two nitro burning categories. Um, sure. you, you had the back to back wins this season, and you guys you never really lost the car. You know, it wasn't like you guys lost the handle on it, but you you went from the back to back wins, and what I felt like you carried out of that stretch was a car that was definitely more consistent in going rounds right it it may not have been winning you know you didn't win five in a row but what you ended up doing was was setting yourself up uh for for a nice berth in the countdown to come into the top 10 but also uh it had to have just you know winning what does it say success begats success right the fact that these guys now know how to do it and have done it a couple times has to be the biggest uh, kind of reward they could have had over the regular season yeah, it has, and I, and I don't think the average fan like really knows. You know, when we went into Richmond and made this change, when brought when we brought Mike Neff and John Schaefer into the program, I mean, we changed everything. I mean, I, I've said it many times. The only thing we didn't change was me, and I think Mike and John were really trying to dial in this setup uh, from Richmond. We won those two races, but Mike still wasn't happy with with the setup of the car. He made kept making changes. You know, not in test mode, but. You know, really trying to find that that setup that that we really land on, and we're at such a disadvantage because you know the the other teams they go into testing, you know, into Phoenix, and they start fine tuning yeah. their setup. And by you know by Richmond, by a quarter way through the season, they lock in on a setup. So we really didn't have that luxury, and we wanted to to, to keep trying to, to sort the setup out. We, we kind of landed on something we really liked uh, coming out of uh, Indianapolis. Uh, we got snake bit in Richmond. Uh, I mean, in Redding, you know, we were, I think we we're number two qualifier, the yeah. car running great. And we, we just had a, a clutch malfunction in that first round. And then we go to St. Louis and we just, we run off seven straight monster runs in a row. I mean, the car was just absolutely, it performed flawlessly uh, you know, we got picked off there in the semifinals. We we just, um, you know, we need a little bit more. Uh, but we, we kind of, I feel like for the first time with this race car that we've landed on a setup that is going to not only take us through the end of this year, but, you know, take us Forward. out of the box yeah. in 2020 swinging. So, you know, I, I'm excited. I tell you one thing, I've never been in a car that's gone as fast. You know, we went 335 miles an hour. Uh, I think it was in, in Redding. Uh, made made my quickest uh, run in Reading, and then go to St. Louis and and go even quicker with a 385. So, you know this this Motocraft Mustang is the real deal, and I truly believe the best is yet to come for this car this season. How does the you know how does the pressure of uh, of drag racing and, and the countdown and kind of whittling our way to the end of the season? How does it compare to say? the pressure of the car business where it's the end of the month or the parts business where you're trying to, you know, you're trying to make a goal. You're trying to make a, uh, you're trying to make, you know, how, how does it compare? Does it compare at all? Brian, I've lived in a pressure cooker my whole life. <laughs> I don't, I don't know. I don't know what it's like not to be under pressure. So it's like one of those things where I don't know what it's like. I, I actually ask people sometime and it's, and it's funny because I really want to know what the answer is. I said, you know, these, the, I meet people that are retired and, you know, they, they wake up in the morning and I don't know, they go to the beach or something. I'm like, what is that like? Like, like, like I'm, I'm as fascinated about that lifestyle <laughs> as I am of anything else. But truthfully, you know, th- that's, that's just, you know, what I've been born and raised in the car business. You're trying to, you know, sell cars and close the month out and, and service and parts and where are we at and will we hit the number? And, you know, then I leave this and jump jump on the plane get to a racetrack it's okay we got to qualify and you know we need qualifying points so i just i don't know any other pace i don't know any other pace and and it's it's i wouldn't have it any other way i I absolutely live for it you know i'm up at five o'clock in the morning and i can't go to sleep at night and it's just um you know it's exciting to be you know to be part of this kind of a of a lifestyle and you know there's nothing that i love more uh, then at you know end of the day on Sunday, standing on top of that Mustang with the trophy, you know that's probably one of the greatest feelings that that I get to experience in my lifetime. And you know, hopefully for this team to keep our championship hopes alive, I'd love to do it in Charlotte. So you know, one of the things I know that you have uh, informed and interesting opinions on, and and I think they're I think it's people 
should hear them is you know there's a lot of talk about you know what is the what are we looking at with drag racing and electric vehicles and and what should we be doing and should you know my personal opinion is there's a and it, the, what makes our sport great is there should be a place for everything and everybody and uh, I know that you know your your life is predicated around the world of uh, auto manufacturing and selling cars so you you obviously see this stuff and trends long before the rest of us do so what is what is your take on that when, when we talk about electric cars we talk about you know automobile the future of automobiles and drag racing you know what's your what's your take on what the role of electric cars should be well your timing for that question is very good uh brian because when i left uh, st louis i flew to directly to dearborn didn't go home and i sit on a product committee uh for the last 20 years with ford motor company and we get a really interesting perspective of ford's uh, product cycle plan you know five six seven years out and how that's going to impact the showroom of the future as we call it and on this particular trip, I got to drive an all-electric F one fifty, and an all-electric um, uh, that that you know some of the electric cars. You know, Ford's got that all-new Mustang-inspired electric car sure. that comes out next year. And the only word I can use to describe it is spectacular. I mean, it is the most unbelievable out-of-body experience <laughs> when you get inside these electric cars because it's 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 quiet. It's, they're fun to drive. The center of gravity is very low with where the batteries are mounted, so it makes, makes them absolute monsters in corners and so forth. And, and I'm telling you, it's liberating not having to go to a gas station. It's like unbelievable when you don't have to go to a gas station and you go in your garage and the car is fully charged and you know all these new high-capacity charges coming. So you know, electric vehicles, cars, trucks, SUVs are coming at a very rapid rate. Uh, I, I believe that, you know, in, you know, it's not going to be tomorrow morning, but clearly it is going to be the majority of the vehicle sold will be electric. The, the maintenance costs are dramatically less. No matter how you look at it, they're just better than an engine. Now, now the, the good news is is that I don't see an electric engine yet on the horizon that's going to outperform a nitro funny car. So <laughs> right. I think I think my job is still safe. But <laughs> but 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 to see electric cars in drag racing, I think is such a fantastic uh, idea from from manufacturers invest and in, and to showcase acceleration because one of the great things about electric cars is the acceleration rate yeah uh, the instant torque and how these uh, these vehicles are so fun to drive i can't believe how much fun i had in the f-150 so so when you really look at at how the sport of drag racing can use uh, electric vehicles i think you'll see the class and here's another cool thing about electric with the regen systems you know, you don't need parachutes in these cars. There you go. You yeah, you can use the regen braking. Yeah, you, exactly. You can step off the throttle and let the regen braking slow the car down and recharge the batteries. So, you know, I'm excited to see, uh, you know, more electric cars get involved with NHRA. I know, I know Ford is certainly taking a hard look at it, and it would not surprise me, you know, five, six, seven years down the road that that we don't have a major presence with electric cars in NHRA. Yeah, no, and I feel like, uh, you know, I feel like what's what could be drag racing's great advantage here is that, you know, eventually it would seem, you know, the way the world's going, it would seem that, you know, NASCAR's talked about hybridizing, and obviously the, the IndyCar guys have uh, have talked about that type of stuff too, and the reality is once they start going that direction, they're eventually, if that's the move, they're going to end up and it will be an all-electric series, both of those will, and I feel like our advantage would be you could come to an NHRA drag race and see the quickest and quietest electric cars in the world, as well as the fastest and loudest piston-driven cars in the world, and and leave with really the most well-rounded motorsport experience anybody could possibly have. So, yeah, I'm, I'm with you 100% on on that outlook. I feel like a lot of people are freaking out and they're afraid of it, but I think at the end of the day, it's like kids have always hot rodded what they've been able to get their hands on, and eventually, you know, the kids are going to be hot rodding these electric cars because that's just how it works. Oh, well, I totally agree. It's going to be fun too. So uh, let's talk about Charlotte. Um, I brought this up with Austin Proc. You know, the weather's going to be beautiful down there, uh, high 70s, low 80s, mid-70s on Sunday. Uh, is that conditions that uh, Bob Task is happy about, or is Bob Task more of a hot track, racetrack guy? Talk to me about where you want to see – where do you want to see Sunday line up on the weather spectrum for your team? Well, I tell you, it's nice to, nice to be able to say you got a car no matter what the conditions are, and, and that's exactly what we have. When you look at the performance of this car on a hot track, 
you know, we've we've had dominating races. And then you look at the cool track conditions, you know, coming out of Maple Grove, we were a number two qualifier, you know, big speed at 335 miles per hour. Uh, you know, we did it again in St. Louis. We had some unbelievable runs. So, you know, I'm really uh, – I, I like these conditions personally as a driver because any time you get in a race car knowing that you can go quicker and faster than you've ever been in your career, there's only a handful of races a year that we get an opportunity to do that. Uh, and we're starting to come into that season uh, where you can get in a race car and go quicker and faster than you've ever been. So with the way the conditions are kind of shaping up for Charlotte – you know, that surface, um, you know, most people don't realize there's only a couple of tracks that are actually downhill. Yeah. Uh, you know, Vegas, Pomona, and Charlotte are actually, you know, a one degree downhill, which gives you a little extra. I mean, these are the conditions where, where you're going to see some, I think, some mind-blowing numbers this weekend. And, you know, we got a race car that can that can do it. Very cool, man. Well, congratulations on the success so far this season. Congratulations on uh, being very deep in the championship hunt, and uh, we'll see if the if a couple dominoes fall your way and you can, and you bust your own way through some dominoes here on Sunday. You could leave uh, Charlotte in a very very formidable position for everybody else. So that's a good thing. Yeah, that's uh, exactly where we want to be. Thanks, Brian. Love to be on the show anytime. You bet, Bob. Thanks so much. Bye bye. So a conversation with Austin Prock and Bob Tasca, two racers that, uh, with a little help from their friends, or actually their enemies as the case may be, to knock off some of the competitors that are ahead of them in the points. And with strong races this weekend in Charlotte, could find themselves really in the hunt, deep in the hunt, deeper so than they already are for a championship. It's interesting to me how both of them uh, pretty quickly referenced the fact that Pomona is a points and a half race and the, uh, the net effect of that. No one wants to wait on the Hail Mary ending for Pomona for their particular category, but the fact that that option remains, the nuclear option, break glass in case of emergency uh, option to win a championship, just like Robert Hyde did a few years ago, it is still there for the taking. Thanks for tuning in to the NHRA Insider Podcast this week. Looking very much forward to getting down to Charlotte and watching the NTK NHRA Charlotte nationals play out in front of us it is halfway point of the countdown it is going to be race 21 of our 24 race nhra mellow yellow drag racing series tour and it promises to be as exciting as all the rest go to nhra.com to follow along with all the action as well as to get the tv broadcast schedule for this weekend's race and of course you can always watch on nhra.tv for live streaming coverage of all the action from the sportsman all the way through the big heavy guns of the nitro funny car pro stock and pro stock motorcycle category One one thing I do want to mention is the fact that there's a very good chance that Stevie Fast Jackson will lock up the E3 Spark Plugs Pro Modified series this weekend in Charlotte. That would be a fairly momentous moment for that series, and of course, a momentous moment for him. He would be a first-time champion in the NHRA. He has been a champion outside of the NHRA, but this would be a blockbuster moment for his career to be able to pull this off down in Charlotte. So if you love the pro mods, NHRA.tv is where you want to be to watch TV fast if he can lock it up. If not, he'll be pushed to the race in Vegas as there are only two races left in the Pro Modified Series season. It will be Charlotte. They do not race in Dallas this year. They'll round their series out in Las Vegas as they always do. So there you have it. If you love ProMod, NHRA.TV is the spot to watch live ProMod racing, and you can always catch the ProMod show on Thursday nights on FS2 with Lewis Bloom and I or Bruno Massel and I bringing you the call. Thanks for tuning in to the NHRA Insider Podcast. We look forward to coming back next week with a recap of Charlotte, a preview of Dallas, and a look at where the points end up after yet another big throwdown on the 1,000-foot and quarter-mile drag strip in Charlotte, North Carolina. We'll see you at Z-Max Dragway this weekend, and we'll see you right back here in the NHRA Insider Podcast next week.